Welcome to the Empowered Women's Podcast. If you're looking for the answers around complex relationship, dating, marriage, and breakup issues, then keep it locked as this is your operation manual to relationship success. We are available to listen to on six different podcast platforms for you to stream, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, releasing a new show every Monday morning. We are one of the few relationship podcasts on the planet that interviews the most qualified relationship coaches, marriage counselors, authors on love, and psychologists around the world. If you have had enough of one toxic connection after another, then hit the subscribe or plus button to be the first to know when a new episode has been released. Ladies and gents, welcome back. Good morning and good evening. Depends on where you are. Not too sure, but we are back for our third installment of the Relationship Roundtable. I'm back with Miranda and Roxy all the way from the States. Or Canada, Roxy? Canada. Canada. Okay. <laughs> so we've got nine questions. What's that? That's a Canada, eh? Canada, <laughs> baby. Don't get that wrong. You'll offend a few people. <laughs> Was that your Canadian accent? It's terrible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is that British or Indian? I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I think it was more like Southern American. I'm not it sure. Fusion. It was a real fusion of cultures. I like it. <laughs> uh, and as usual, girls, we've got nine questions today. This is going to be our last relationship roundtable for the year. Um, I've decided we've just, I've got a full um, roster of guests, other guests lined up. And I think the less we do these, probably the better as well, so that we can just get the most juiciest questions maybe once a quarter. So um, we each got, well, Miranda, you got four questions. I got three and Roxy, you got three, right? So we'll just go pretty much from the top. As usual, I'll go last. Roxy, you go first. Miranda, you go second. Then I'll jump in. Organically, girls, just jump in when you feel necessary to. Don't wait for my cue, yeah? We'll mm-hmm. just go with the punches. All right. Before we do, though, we'll do a very quick intro into who we are and what we do, what we, why we do it. So, Roxanne, for those that have not listened to you before, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Roxanne Shapir, and I am a celestial guide and celestial generational earth shaman, in addition to being a life and love mentor. And my really, my soul's purpose is to guide beautiful souls to heal, love, and awaken, and to have and sustain enlightened relationships with themselves and with others. Lovely. And Miranda? Beautiful. Um, I am Miranda Clare and I'm known as the soulmate coach. Some of my clients call me the love doctor um, and I do many things. So for singles and couples uh, and, you know, singles can be self-dating or out there single and mingling, I really have a focus on self-love, communication, mindset, body language, seduction, all of that strategy and psychology stuff. And I even do a bit of matchmaking with the singles and couples coaching with the couples. But ultimately, it's all about love. I help people bring more delicious love from their self and others into life. Mm. We're all about that delicious love. We all need that in our lives. Delicious love. Love it. Yes. And I guess I'll just do a bit of an intro on myself because I don't normally do. But I'm a personal trainer. Uh, I've been a PT since 2015 and been training for many years. Um, So I guess I'm a coach of sorts and I've had many messed up kind of relationships in the past. And then I've taken on this journey as a relationship host and have learnt 
from some of the best coaches from around the world. And I guess having gone on a self-love journey for the past year and a bit, I've really um, stayed away from anything toxic and have re-established meanings of self-love, boundaries, and what I'd really love in a partner moving forward. So I took some time away from the dating scene and here we are. Um, and I feel like personally I'm in the best place possible to, I guess, give advice around, you know, what not to do. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like a take it from me approach. So we've all got three different perspectives. All right, so we'll get started. Now question number one is, how to establish a co-parenting relationship with someone you are traumatized by, unbearable relationship, and now an inescapable co-parent, co-parenting relationship whilst knowing this person is going to shift all of their tactics onto your child. Controlling, manipulative, emotionally unaware, constantly gaslights, compulsive liar, and no moral compass. Honestly, I can really empathize with this question. Co-parenting with an ex-abusive partner is such a challenging situation. So I know this by firsthand experience. And what I will say to this is that it's not an easy path. However, there are strategies that can be put in place in order to really make this an amicable situation. So the most alarming component, though, of this question is that they already are under the impression that their ex will be shifting the emotional, the verbal, and the spiritual abuse from them to their child. And in knowing that, it is now their due diligence to protect their child from being the victim of the abuse. So this may mean having a professional mediator to ensure kind of that the ex-partner is aware that if any abuse of this nature is conducted within the household, that there will be repercussions and consequences of losing custody of their child. So I think that they can also apply for going for full custody, perhaps. Um, But then again, they would have to prove in the court system that the abuse took place and that they were subjected to. So Mm. honestly, how it wouldn't be in the best interest of the child, I think, to kind of live in the other parent's household on a consistent basis, knowing that that abuse will probably be inflicted onto them. I also know that like a lot of people don't want to go to the court system and they don't want to go to the court route. However, at times it is absolutely necessary in order Mm. to protect the of the child. So if this is not an option and that a court decision may have already been provided, then it's up to the parents, I believe, um, to the parents to protect their child from the aftermath of their falling out. Mm. So I think it needs to be rules in place that there is no like discussion about the other parent to the child in any bad light to one another. And I think that when we put down the other parent to our child or within the vicinity of where they can hear what is being said, children internalize those words and allow themselves to feel like the words are being placed on them as they're a part of that parent, right? And showing Mm -hmm. hate for the parent is showing hate to a part of themselves. So I think that all the parenting has to be done in the highest good for their child and understanding that this separation is not the child's fault and Mm -hmm. that they should not be subjected to further trauma of the relationship not working out. And this is now the role of the parent. And in speaking of this, you know, not just an expertise, however, an experience as well is one of the best ways to guide a child through this like dynamic shift is really having conversations and open communication in regards to their emotions, perhaps buying books and reading it to them, it then opens the discussion of what their emotions are going through and that it's healthy and safe to feel their emotions and to share how they feel 
without you judging them, you know, and building that resiliency and creating their emotional, intellectual, their physical, their spiritual boundaries and giving them the gift to kind of step into their voice to be their own advocate should anything kind of arise in the other parent's household and guiding them to develop their values and their moral compass so they know right from wrong. So in saying that, you're only going to have control over what you have control over. You're not going to control what happens in that other household. You're not going to know everything that transpires in that other household. However, the teachings and the guidings that you provide to your child you do have control of by providing them to them. So mm. I think it's important to teach them the signs of abuse, the signs mm. of gaslighting, signs of controlling behaviors and so forth. And without kind of bringing the ex-partner in, if you see them modeling a behavior of the ex-partner, like correct it right away, kind of like nip it in the bud mm. and just see, you know, you just kind of have to feel it out and just see how they're feeling and see how they act and how they behave and allow them, like allow the child to witness what doesn't feel good in their heart so that they can build their core values on what they have experienced to be true or untrue mm. with that other with that other parent. And I also think it's important that you're getting the help, um, that she's getting the help that she needs in order to heal through this experience because there are reasons that we choose the partners that we do. And I need to also make this clear that I'm not pointing fingers at the choice that was like that was decided. But in our subconscious levels, when we go even deeper into our spirituality, we realize that the partners that we choose were there to heal aspects of ourselves Mm. that needed healing. And that doesn't necessarily have to be from this lifetime. So this person has activated and triggered um, her to a point where it forces her to shift and grow. And there's a reason that she chose this person in terms of soul contract. So I think there's a lesson to be learned here. And when you have a relationship with this catalyst, it kind of breaks you down to your very fundamental beliefs and which allows you to build a new foundation for yourself and to really heal those aspects of yourself that maybe you didn't consciously know were there, such as not loving yourself, feeling worthy of good love, you know, not feeling deserving of anything better than what you were kind of the situation that you were in. So Mm -hmm. I do think it's important that the co-parenting relationship dynamic is healthy and that the other parents aren't, you know, at each other's throats, especially around the child. I think that's also important and that there's no dysfunctionality in the co-parenting relationship because the child's already going to be, like the child's already going to be going through so much in their own transitional period. So to add that additional stress onto them as they're kind of facing all these challenges and the changes that they're going to be going through, I think it's important to keep that, you know, away from the child as much as possible. Mm. Welcome to this short ad break. You know, sometimes it's easy to get stuck into a mental rut where we let ourselves go, but deep down, we're unhappy. We might even be post-breakup and feeling a little bit lost. Start feeling confident, self-assured and healthy again. So you're going to attract the best kind of lovers, friendships and even career into your life today. You can apply for online coaching with me where I will take you through a hybrid fitness system that covers the three pillars to success, where I take you through the deep work of mindset principles and help you achieve breakthroughs, guide you to understand meal preparation for your goals and a custom weight training program to help you build a healthy physique, one that you can be proud of. Find the application link in the show notes of this episode below. Back to the show. Yeah. Mm, Awesome. 
So I'll, I'll jump in here. That was beautiful. I was like getting really into that answer and then I remembered I've got to talk next. Um, so I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff. I deliberately didn't over-prepare reading these questions beforehand because when I work freestyle, that's when I tend to channel more information and where that comes from is probably for another podcast another day. Um, but I wrote down lots of different things, but the thing that stood out the most is really looking at the narrative that's connected to this because the only thing standing between you and what you want is the story you tell yourself about why you can't have it. And the only reason you have the things that you want in your life is because of the story you tell yourself about the fact you can. And so narrative or the story or the meaning we connect to things is critical and the biggest thing because we can't change situations. We can't change people. It's hard enough changing ourselves most of the time, let alone others, but we can change our perception or our story or our, you know, perspective or attitude towards something. And it sounds pretty, you know, straightforward, but if you really live your life by that, your entire life changes. Mm. You can be in a jail cell and feel like you're in heaven with the right story, or you could be in heaven and feel like you're in hell with the wrong story. And so this situation has a lot of things that the control freak in me would love to change for you. And they're pretty obvious what those things are. But in everything, there's psychology and strategy. And the strategy, it's easy to get caught up on, but that's only 20% of it. 80% is our mindset or our psychology around it. So the 20% is the stuff that we want to go to town on. It's the lawyers, it's the boundaries, it's the access, it's the custody. That'll be what it'll be. And it depends on what lawyer you get, what the rules are. You know, there's things we can change, things we can't change and variables we can't predict. But what we can absolutely grab hold of is the 80%, which is our psychology. And it's not just have a positive psychology. It's it's really specific. It is what does this mean? What is the narrative? So to someone, one person dies and to one person it's like, my life just ended. To the other person, it's life has just begun. Mm. To some people, it's this has taught me that life is cruel. To other people, it's like this has taught me that life is beautiful. And so that story, a story is more important than just positive thinking. It's an actual meaning, a narrative. And so what came up for me is rather than having the story that I need to co-parent with someone toxic and that toxic person is going to do this with my child, and I fully empathise and validate that you're probably spot on and I don't doubt your intuition, mm. but let's change the story around that to... In this lifetime, we're all given teachers and sometimes teachers show up in interesting professor coats. They're not always what you think they'll look like. Mm. And the child in this is a teacher, the mother in this is a teacher and the father in this is a teacher. And there's upsides and downsides to every lesson involved. Maybe the mother is there to teach what to do and what kindness and what love looks like. But the downside of that is maybe she likes boundaries, which is what attracted this person in the first place. And that's the flip side of all of that positivity. So what a great teacher to teach me about love and kindness and also about boundaries. Mm. Maybe the dad in this is the, the professor on what not to do and, you know, <laughs> nastiness and toxicity but the upside of that is this child is probably going to be a really emotionally intelligent sensitive wise human being because they got both lessons in the world's full of those people they'll probably be in a business that's run by one of those people one day and 
if the mother with all that emotional intelligence can create a platform to get those lessons and connect those meanings and not throw them under the bus and herself on a pedestal, you know, when you put someone else in the pit, we put ourselves on the pedestal. When we put someone else on a pedestal, we put ourselves in a pit. And it's about looking at each other eye to eye and going, we're all pedestal, we're all pit, so we're all actually equal. Mm. And here's the upsides and downsides of me as a teacher. Here's the upsides and downsides of them as a teacher. And you, little one, are teaching us things. You're teaching us unconditional love and innocence. But the downside of that is that there's a naivety there and you're a sponge and you can absorb stuff. So we're all in this. There's no goodies or baddies. Let's learn from each other. We've all been put together for a reason and let's figure out what that is and load heaps of support structures and knowledge and empowerment and wisdom so that we have the tools to do it. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Really nice. Good question. Good good responses from both, like amazing. I really liked... um, Roxy, how you sort of mentioned about it's it's highlighting the signs of abuse to your children. And I guess I can only, look, I can only speak to the narcissistic traits around this whole situation. I've not, I don't have kids. It's hard for me to give a full in-depth response to this. I can only sort of talk about how I've seen other friends go through this and how hard it has been for them and how, you know, the, the partner just chooses to be difficult because they can and that's where it's tough. And I know my, my girlfriend of mine, she's quite empathetic and she tries to do her best managing her children and stuff. And then when her partner wants to be nice, he will be. And when he wants to be an absolute cunt, he will be part of my language. But I'm just, yeah, just going to let it fly. So um, no doubt that this situation is obviously very similar. I'll keep my answer a little brief because you girls have touched on so much already. Um, I think where you can limit your contact with this person in the sense that just don't get too emotional or show that you're upset too much, obviously having the best interest of your children at heart, but sometimes less is more with people like this because where they can use things against you, they will, you know. Mm. So it's trying not to be too reactive to how they treat you or how, you know, if they're trying to sort of throw that blame on you or it's kind of like grey rocking them, so giving them not much in return so that you're just kind of shutting it down. And if you can, put things in writing, keep a folder. I know it sounds bad, but maybe because eventually, if it does eventually go to court, you've got the evidence. You can see, you know, you can show your lawyer, look, look at the back and forth banter, look at the bullshit that I've got to put up with from this person. They just choose to make life difficult. Look, I don't have too much more on that response. Like I said, I'm very inexperienced. I can only go by what I've sort of seen with other friends of mine. But, yeah, if I come from that communication sense, just try and give as little as possible, make it about the functionality of the logistics around the children and hoping that no one gets bruised along the way. So, yeah, good luck with that. I hope that helps. All right, we'll go to the next question. How would you approach an ex-acquaintance that you had a fallout with? We were both in stressful situations, but it just broke down. No communication ever happened. Just want to see if the connection you had is still there. Could they be the one you don't want to get away? Dating game isn't fun. Dating apps suck. LOL. Yeah, for me, this is, uh, I, I feel like if you have an old acquaintance that you equally want to explore to see if there's something there, then most definitely there needs to be some great communication to be held and why the relationship didn't work out properly the first time. 
I also think that the connection also ending could signify that if you both can't be together and work through your issues together, then if they can't work, you know, the relationship out under duress or navigating through a challenging time, is this the person you really want to explore things with by stepping back into your past? Or are you able to exude patience and to come into your life either by dating app, organic encounters, whatnot? So I think it's important also to recognize that dating on an app doesn't equal instant gratification. And a lot of us think that we're just going to have love tomorrow just by being on a dating app for a month or two months or even a year. Mm. So... I also think there's things that you can do for the dating app that, you know, I'm sure Miranda is going to speak to that we can really attract the right person into your life and just by showing everything that you are. So I do think that, you know, you can find your mate and you can find great connections. However, it doesn't always necessarily mean that they will be there for the longevity of your life. And my question was, are they trying to rush things and finding someone or are they in a state of allowance where when the right person is meant to enter their life that they will? And are they being reactive out of impatience or are they truly wondering what if, you know, like, are you really wondering what if like this person was the right one or you just don't believe that you should be on a dating app and going to find someone throughout a dating app? So maybe let's go back to this person because, you know, I'm losing patience. I'm being on the dating app. So I think being patient and exploratory, if they really want to explore old connections, then go for it. Mm. Um, everyone has a freedom of choice to do so. However, the question becomes, are they serving their highest good? Or are they serving the feeling of, of just really not wanting to be lonely? So what I've drawn is a picture of a yin-yang, and this is what came through on this question, is that represents masculine and feminine energy to me. So regardless of the genders involved in this scenario, it's irrelevant to me. Um, fight and flow are coming up for me, fight being very masculine and flow being very feminine. When it comes to relationships, it's like a tango, and if you look at the dance of the tango, there's a nice balance of fight and flow, leading, following initiating and flowing with it. And all relationship dynamics need a little bit of both. When you're making junk food, they have thousands and millions of dollars of researchers putting the exact combination of salty and sweet together because that is like the addiction point of food. And it happens in relationships as well, where you get that nice balance of masculine, feminine, come here, go away, feminine, mass, or whatever you want to call it. And what I feel is there's a tango that kind of happened between you guys. You both went off and danced with other partners. You're both sitting on the sidelines and a song has come on and you're both kind of looking at each other like, who makes the first move? Should I go to a different dance class? Am I, oh, hang on, is there a reason we haven't been dancing? You're in your head and the whole time the song is passing and if you sit on the fence, you get splinters. So I would say go with the formula of fight and flow. But have the intention to show a bit of an aggression and a little bit of a pullback or a little bit of dog energy, like I want to sniff your crotch and a little bit of cat energy. I'm going to slink off and piss off and I'll be like, like later. And the answer will be somewhere in that mix. So this is with the acquaintance in particular. Online dating is, you know, you don't need to put your eggs in all in one basket. You're not married. You're allowed mm. to be a fisherman or a fisherwoman and have a fishing line in that pond and a net in that pond and be spearfishing in that lake. And it's not about being a player. It's about finding out what catch of the day is going to feed you and feed mm. your soul. And they're doing the same thing and do it with integrity, do it in a way that feels high vibe, have transparency and boundaries and all the good stuff. But like, it's not a A or B, it's an A and B. Be online, get that right. Talk to me if you need help. I do people's profiles with them. And that's not a sales pitch. I'm happy to do it on a 15 minute chat. 
for free if I can add a bit of value. I genuinely love this stuff. Um, and, you know, it's do both, do all of it, have an abundance mindset. You're not at the altar. You don't need to say I do. You're finding out if you will, not if you do. So what I would say is, yeah, with the acquaintance, you only live once. If you got hit by a bus tomorrow and you stayed sitting on the sidelines while the song was playing, you might go out with regrets and no one wants that. If you love bomb them and they run the other way, you might go out with regrets. If mm. you play hard to get to the point that you're walking in the other way and they go, see ya, you might have regrets. So that's why you do a fusion of both where, you know, you might, imagine if you were hit by a bus tomorrow, what would you do that's a beautiful little nugget that re- retains dignity where you can just be real, have some courage and reach out to them And if you are a feminine, I'm picking up that you might be, whether that's male or female gender-wise is irrelevant, but I'm sensing a feminine energy Mm. from the person asking the question. Mm -hmm. They called it in the old days dropping the handkerchief. And, um, you know, this is back in the Elizabethan days. The women would make the first move and let their lover think it was their move. And it's called dropping the handkerchief. So they'd walk past, they'd spot someone they liked, and then they'd go, ah, and drop the handkerchief. And the person would come and pick it up and go, sorry, you dropped this, miss. And they'd be like, ha-ha, I made the first move. No, 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 she did. But it's just very artful. Now, yeah. that's what I mean by fight. So I'm not saying, like, here's my number, call me. Like, it doesn't have to be full on. But it's just drop the handkerchief, put it out there and be like, hey, we crossed paths, wasn't sure what icebreaker to use as the segue but when we last connected it was kind of stressful timing and there's something intriguing me to see who we've both become in that time here's my number I'm usually free on Sundays because I work six days a week let me know over the next couple of Sundays if you fancy a drink if not all good but I just thought I'd put it out there Mm. and Mm -hmm. so you're giving a bit of time boundary you're not going to be sitting there by your phone for the next six months they've got one or two Sundays you made it clear Mm. that's dropping the handkerchief if they want to pick it up they will Mm Then you pull back and you be cat-like, you flow with it and you see what happens. And their behaviour within all of that, how you feel showing up within all of that, it will give you information that will just let you know the next step and the next step and the next step. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic from both. Great. Um, A couple of things. On one end of the spectrum, if it's meant to be, it would have happened by now, right? On the the less... On the less straightforward spectrum, um, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and saying hello because sometimes timing does matter. Mm. And, um, you know, it's not sort of black and white. And I think, you know, sometimes there is a genuine connection between two people and they might be thinking the same thing that you're thinking as well. And I think usually when you're sort of in a bit of a headspace, whether they want to admit it or not, maybe sometimes you're picking up some of that energy that they might be thinking as well. So I think there's no harm in actually reaching out and seeing where they're at, Um, exactly what the girls had said, very sort of in-depth, artful responses around that. It's, you know, it is a bit of a dance. The dating game is a little bit of a dance. There is a bit of a courting process. And I guess just to enjoy the process without attachment to the outcome see how it goes, you know, throw it out there. <clears throat> What's the worst that can happen? You've already sort of, it's already not happened. So if it doesn't happen again, there's no surprises in that. At least you sort of tried, you show up authentically. Um, don't get butt hurt if it doesn't work out. And that's that really. So enjoy the process, be bold and take a bit of a chance and see how you go. Okay, next question. So 
ex admitted he cheated on me twice with sex workers. Also says he is addicted to porn and was watching it four to six hours a day as he was working from home while I was at work. He really wants to work things out. I feel massive guilt for leaving even though he hurt me and I don't know why. He is also a high-functioning alcoholic and threatened to kill himself since I left. I just don't know how to move on. This is a bit of a doozy. But we've had something similar like this in the past. Go for gold, Mm -hmm. girls. Yeah, I really want to speak to the last question too because, Miranda, you triggered me on something in the sense that I was thinking of this is that even my husband and I, we had met and it didn't work out between us because the timing wasn't right. And then we Mm. ended up reconnecting. So I, and he is the one and I knew he was the one. So there is that, there is that potentiality out there. It's just what Mm. I want to say. Yep. Um, But for this one, no, um, this is a no, hell no for me. Um, I feel that they need to just like really to demonstrate some integrity and to stop people pleasing and stand by their own intellectual, their emotional, their physical and their spiritual boundaries. His hardship are not yours to own and his pain is not yours to own. His mistakes and learnings are not yours to own and his struggles are not yours to own. So in all that, his decisions at the end of the day are not yours to own and his path is not yours to own. So couples can overcome cheating. I know that we spoke about this at the last at the last round table. However, it's very daunting work. So if this was a marriage and there were kids involved and both parties really wanted to work this out for their family's sake, I would say maybe mm-hmm. even then I'm always skeptical on couples that are already down this path because it's a very slippery slope. So I think she needs to be able to remove that guilt from herself. And I'm not saying that this person's the bad person in any way for cheating, but he made some choices that were not in the best interest of the relationship. And again, those choices don't land on her, nor should they be, nor should she be burdened by them. So I think everyone makes mistakes and now we're all human beings and you can forgive him to forgive yourself so that she can, you know, release that guilt and the resentment and the hurt and the pain and the hate and the animosity. But it doesn't mean that she needs to be imminently involved with this person's life or feel sorry for them or feel like she has to take ownership of his behaviors, of his alcoholism, or that he may take his life. He needs professional help and that's the help that he needs to seek out. And if he's not willing to do that on his own, then that's up to his family. That's no longer her responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Okay. And I would, yeah, and I would cut all ties, obviously, um, but with compassion mm. because he's obviously struggling. Yeah. yeah. Look, there's some um, that this is a doozy, and there's so much big stuff that grabs your conscious awareness when you hear this story. You hear cheating, you hear twice, you hear porn addict, you hear alcohol, you hear suicidal, and it's easy for that to be the billboard that catches your eye while you're driving along the freeway of this story. Mm. But for me. It's not about that. It's about one word, which is guilt. That's what's keeping you there. Everything else, you've answered the question as to what you need to do and why, Mm. but the real thing that stood out for me looking at a deeper level was I feel guilt and I don't know why. That's what this is about. So let me tell you why. It's what I'm getting is you, we all attract relationships because we want to resolve unresolved relationships from our past, typically with mother or father or significant parental figure age zero to seven and even in utero and this man probably represents either mother or father 
And because you weren't able to resolve what's unresolvable with your parents, Mm. you've attracted him to try and resolve it. And it's always unconscious. You might consciously debate me on this. If you're together, it's happening. Mm. If it's dysfunctional, it's happening. And so you've attracted him to try and resolve the issues in him that represent mum or dad. So first it's about getting really honest and saying, who does he represent? Are his patterns like mum or are they like dad? What were the patterns with mum or dad that you wish you could have resolved as a little five-year-old you and couldn't? And how have you manifested this person Mm -hmm. to replay those out so you can resolve them in current time with them? Now, the reality is you leaving probably is you resolving them and that's why it's so uncomfortable so the guilt is coming up to keep you there because maybe something in a similar dynamic happened when you were young like there was an unavailable parental figure who maybe had other partners in their life porn or other partners it's all the same thing and they maybe had mental health problems and were not emotionally there and maybe quite emotionally vulnerable and doing things that were like having them out. I'm getting the theme and the word abandonment a lot, an abandonment theme. And so you went into someone who you felt wouldn't abandon you, probably because their self-esteem and mental health was in the toilet, so you had to rescue them and thought, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm safe, they can't leave. So then when they've done all the things that qualify you needing to leave them, that core abandonment wound is being triggered and if you leave, you represent the parent that left you. So that's what the turmoil around the guilt is and that's what you need to resolve. So I would be saying you know what you need to do and why and it's all the big stuff on the billboard, but where you need to go in order to process that and actually get the resolution isn't by making this guy stay or making him someone other than who he is. It's about you getting to the core of that guilt and that abandonment wound that has to do with childhood and resolve it in the only place it can be resolved, which is not with your parents, not with your partners, but within yourself. And that relationship, be grateful for it because it got you ready to do that level of healing. One more ad break, I promise. But this week's show is sponsored by my friends at Chapel Cosmetics. They have a stunning new space in Paran. Claudia, the owner of Chapel Cosmetics, is a registered nurse making cosmetic injectables fun. Her personalised approach and less is more mindset creates the safe space you want and need. Injectables can be scary, especially for first timers. So Claudia will make sure you're incredibly comfortable and you'll have a good chat and a laugh while you're at it. With an amazing new studio now open at 217 Chapel Street, just near the intersection of High Street, this business is only growing more and more. Head to the website, chapelcosmetics.com and book now for your free consult. Mention the podcast to receive 10% off your first treatment. You can find her details in the show notes below. Okay, back to the show. So Miranda, you made a really solid point there about um, the abandonment stuff. So if you have had abandonment issues with your own parents, even though you're leaving someone for the right reasons, it can still trigger that with Absolutely. you. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Abandonment as a theme, it doesn't matter who's coming or going, it's that theme of separation, separation anxiety. Mm. And so if someone leaves you, you're the victim, but if you leave someone, you're the perpetrator and both are equally traumatic in your nervous system. Mm. Wow, solid. All right. Yeah. Both girls, solid. All right, always amazing. I just want to sort of say, listen to episode 41 on porn addictions. I spoke to a psychologist by the name of Eddie Caparucci. So he he basically, he goes through the nine different um, child personality traits 
as to why you form a porn addiction and it's all about trauma. It's all about childhood trauma. So I'd be really keen to know what your ex has actually been through, you know, so you don't just develop all these habits for no reason. There's obviously something there. Porn addictions um, a lot of the time have something to do with a need for feeling loved and accepted and some form of um, being noticed. So, and and then it sort of gets broken down as to what kind of porn do you like to watch? There's rough sex, there's gay porn, there's there's orgies. There's a bit of a need for power um, in our own lives and therefore that will also depend on, you know, do you, do you like things that are more submissive? Do you like things that are more dominant? And, again, it kind of all goes back to your childhood. Is it mum or dad? You know, who made you feel less empowered? You know, where did you feel more empowered, et cetera? So have a listen to that episode 41. It's really interesting. Mm. No doubt he needs therapy. There's no doubt about that. And it's definitely you're beyond saving him at this point. And I think if anything, you'll do him a favor by just closing that door and walking away as hard as that will be for him. Um, you will be perhaps his greatest teacher and opportunity for him to get the help that he needs once and for all. Because if he keeps going down this path, you know, there's no telling how long he'll have left on this earth, unfortunately. You know, your body can only take so much and love heals all. So if he can learn to, you know, learn to love himself and learn to then know what real love looks like because right now, you know, all he truly understands is toxic codependency on relationships, on alcohol, on drugs, and it's just an empty path to nowhere. So, you know, everything's just a Band-Aid. Yeah. Sorry, just jump in. The, the Exactly what I said would apply to him as well. So he's attracted you because yeah. you represent one of his parental figures. You might represent the critical mother who, and he's acting out his childhood with the porn, with the alcohol, mm. because he wants to resolve the critical mother wound that he just wants to be loved unconditionally. And so mm. no goodies or baddies here. We're all doing the same thing. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. So good luck with that one. Hope hope that episode also can give you some clarity on why he's going down that. Just to finish that off too, the reason why you probably feel that guilt is there are probably moments where you do love him and you do like things about him and you've got some special moments together. I've been, we've all been in toxic relationships and there's always those small glimpses of, and moments where we're like, oh God, I'm so in love with them. They make me mm-hmm. sick. We fight all the time, but God, I'm so attracted to them and God, the sex is good. And it's things like that, that are hard, really hard to walk away from. You're not at fault. It is what it is. We've all been there and done that. All right. Now that's the end of my questions. So we're going to go into Roxanne's questions and then we've got Miranda's questions too. So number one, I feel like I love my boyfriend more than he loves me. How do I know if he feels the same way or not? Because he tends to hide his emotions. And on top of that, when I feel poorly about myself, I always think and feel he could do better than me. Oh, I love this one. So I think first Mm. things first, I believe that it is important that the love that you're seeking from your partner first needs to stem from your love of self. Your self-esteem needs some uplifting on why you feel that you're not good enough for anyone. That is a cause of wounding and program beliefs. So I would highly recommend working with a professional really to guide you through that. It's not to say that people don't have, you know, insecurities or anything of that nature throughout their relationship. However, when it comes to the point where it's affecting the way that you feel about yourself and the way that you feel about your partner, then it's time to kind of seek that help. And I think that it's really also important is that 
If you think that your partner is going to find someone better than you, you are then now creating that thought to become your reality, right? And we keep having these perpetual thoughts that somebody is going to find somebody better than us and that we're not that better person. We are then creating that life for ourselves and we're creating that hardship for ourselves. So I really think that you know, it's unrealistic to ask a partner to show you your worth. Your worth needs to show up in the way that you love yourself. And even though it's incredible to have like others love us and, you know, like it feels so good to feel love, but you shouldn't need somebody else's love to feel love in in the entirety of what it is. And I think that it's important to understand that love isn't supplementary. And it's not a competition. It's not who loves who more. And it's not a transactional value. It's not like going to the store and paying for the value of something. It's priceless. And it comes in the value in which it is given. So I believe many relationships have two partners that love each other and show how they love each other very differently from one another. So he may think that he's loving you and all that he's capable in his love languages, and they may not be perceived as acts or signs of love if your love languages are different from one another. So you may need words of affirmation, you may need intimate connection, you may need, you know, different things than what he's offering you. And he may be in the form of doing acts of service or by providing gifts and so forth. So I think that it's really important to understand what your love languages are, because maybe he is demonstrating a lot of love to you and you're just not receiving it because you're not able to receive it in that way. Mm. So I also, you know, I'm curious, like what was he shown love was growing up? Have you like, you asked him how he expresses love and did he ever feel safe to share his emotions growing up until now where his emotions dismissed at all? throughout his lifetime. So I think if we allow our egos to get in the way of love and going down, you know, to the millimeter of who loves who more, that can be very detrimental cycle and pattern that we can go down. So I think it's important to communicate your needs and how you need to be loved, provide him with the manual and not have an expectation that he can read your mind and just knows you. No one has that capability to do that. Beautiful. That's that's such a good point about when the scorecard is out, the game's over. When it comes to relationships, put away the scorecard because we can either come from ego or real. And the minute that we start talking scorecards, he loves me more than blah, blah. I love Mm. them more than them. They're better than me, less than me, more popular than me, prettier than me. Or when Have you noticed in my language I sound like a human calculator? It's all about more than, less than. When you start talking about that, it means you're in your ego. And so ego is probably what's preventing and the alternative is real when you come from real you're just being authentic you're coming from soul coming from source coming from authenticity perfectly imperfect you're just being you're not trying to be anyone you're just being who you are and I think there's some ego getting in the way and ego's there when we come from fear and you can either come from fear or love so I love my boyfriend more than he loves me. That's an ego comment. And when you hear the word ego, like you're probably a really sweet person. It's like, I'm authentic, I'm sweet. But, you know, ego, Mother Teresa has ego. Ego isn't your typical chest out, walking along, spitting on the sidewalk, strutting around, you know, Instagram model kind of appearance that you or Andrew. <laughs> what's his name? Andrew is that guy that's all bland off Instagram at the moment. Um, Andrew Tate. That's Andrew. the one. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting when you hear ego. 
Yeah. When you hear ego, you you kind of imagine that archetype. And but the mm. reality is Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama have an ego. It's not about deleting the ego. Ego is not a nasty word. You want to have an ego because then when you go to a job interview, you have the ability to go, I want to be better than the candidate before me. So I'm going to wear my power suit. Useful decision. But when you're in a relationship and you've got a scorecard of I need to, I'm coming from fear. So I, we've got to love each other the same, or they've got to love me more, or tit for tat, mm. it doesn't work because relationships are the domain of the soul mm-hmm. you know sometimes corporate isn't and the the reality is in the question the question has the answer in it in itself you already answered your own questions so my boyfriend loves me more than I love him he hides his emotion when I feel down I feel he can do better if you were to read that question backwards you have the answer it's because you feel that he can do better that you feel down and he's emotionally withdrawn as a partner you unconsciously selected him because he couldn't give you the love that you truly want Mm. and it's because you're perceiving that he loves you more than him so and it's probably his ego and his fear that is keeping him emotionally withdrawn so the antidote to this situation is real there's a there's a lot of ego and fear we need to come from real and love and there's a huge breakthrough for you guys happening and it's going to happen one of two ways either you're going to have a breakthrough together or you're going to have a breakthrough on your own. So the good news is that you've only got breakthroughs around the corner. And how you're going to have that is by getting really real with your communication. If you have the breakthrough by yourself, it might involve a therapist or just some journaling or whatever resonates, but it's like, I'm going to get really real with myself, get out of ego, get out of fear and go, who am I? What are my strengths? What are my standards? Where do I feel in alignment? What brings me joy? And you're going to have that conversation with yourself. Now, just having that and connecting to your truth and your joy will shift the energy of the relationship. And it could even shift it right out the front door, (laughs) or it could shift it way into alignment because the answer is about getting real, getting vulnerable, having the big chats. And if it does walk in the door rather than out the door, what that chat needs to be be about is vulnerability, which is your ultimate strength, because his walls are up to feel strong and you're measuring the relationship to feel strong. And the stronger you try and feel, the weaker it's actually getting. Whereas if you take off all your armor and go, I love you. This is what terrifies me. This is what turns me on. This is what I'm insecure about. This is what my hopes and dreams are. This is what I wanted to be when I grew up. This is what my um, biggest fear and biggest desire is either that's going to terrify him and he's going to stay in ego and run away or he's Mm. going to take off his armour and into me see is actually into me see. You've got to lower the swords, lower the armour and get fucking real. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Amazing girls. Um, I'll try not sort of, I'm not going to mention what's already been mentioned, but I'm going to kind of speak to a little bit of alpha energy here, adopting some alpha energy for yourself. If you are the first person to initiate contact, then stop and then just let him lean in more. Let him kind of start doing 80% of the texting, calling and pursuing and see how that rolls. Sometimes when we have things that are really available to us, we take them for granted. You know, we we want what we can't have most times, you know, and it just it's all about what feels rare to us because it's all about time. When we feel like something is a lot more precious, there's a bigger price to pay for that. You know, more often than not, it's either money or it's time. So think about that. Yeah, if you need to question this, then it's probably true. And it could also be for him, if I sort of use myself as an example in ex-relationships, could be a, a relationship of convenience for him. 
where he's too insecure to actually break up with you or just doesn't really appreciate you. Maybe for whatever reason, you serve a purpose in his life. It's not uncommon. People will keep partners in their lives because, A, they're not in a good place with their own work. They live with their partner. Their partner is pulling their weight or or carrying the load in terms of paying rent. And for that reason, they're staying with that person. Albeit selfish, it's a reason. But because there's not enough context here, I'm just throwing out examples of why this could be the situation. You may not even live with this guy. Just reassess self-worth on yourself. You know, otherwise this sort of stuff is going to really keep coming up for you. So really kind of have a look at your self-worth and see what's happening there. And like I said, embrace some more alpha energy. Change your thought process, you know, tell, start, I guess, flipping the script and say, I have a lot to offer. But if you feel like you could do better, it'll hurt me, but let me show you the door. So having that kind of take it or leave it sales approach to a relationship at times is also adopting a bit of an alpha energy and girls can be alpha too, you know, and it's expressing that you are unique and that you have a lot to offer and that you're rare. But I guess, you know, why do you feel that way? Is he talking about others around you? Does he sort of compare you to others where, you know, you're feeling like maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe his ex was better in this way or that way. Is, Is he newly out of a relationship as well? Because if that's the case, he may not be over his ex. And he may not be fully, you know, over that person. And that's why he's struggling to give you more of what you feel you may deserve, may or may not deserve. So I hope that helps. There we go. We'll go to number two. So I'm in this new relationship and this guy really likes me. The sex is great, but I just feel something is missing. I'm sometimes turned off by him and his mannerisms of like playing video games all day of being a highly sensitive man to the point he cries more than I do. Please help. <laughs> yeah, I like this one too. I love this one. Sorry, girls. I don't know what happened there. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that great sex is great. However, it's not and cannot be everything. So everyone has quirks and that we may not absolutely love. However, are they hurting the relationship? And if not, then at times we just need to kind of let the smaller things go. So if the fact that he plays games or that he's kind of into his feelings too much, it has something to do along the lines of that he doesn't pay enough attention to you or that he's just too emotionally invested more than you are, or that maybe he's perhaps he's lazy or unmotivated because he's playing video games all day. What is truly the feeling behind him playing those games and his mannerisms and the way that he's expressing his emotions? What's triggering or kind of activating something in you that you are conditioned to believe and that you wish maybe that you could perhaps be a little bit, you know, less like more careless, you know what I mean? And not caring what others think of you, but loving yourself anyway. So I think when you feel something is missing though, is it something missing in you that you are trying to fill a void or is it your guiding voice intuition that is telling you this person is not for you? So are there a ton of red flags that you kind of just been ignoring? Is this something inside of you like that the relationship merits a healthy conversation surrounding what bothers you? prior, you know, like maybe just writing everything down, everything that you love about this person and all the pros and all the cons. And what I would do is that 
with this listing, I would take all the pros, all the cons. And for every pro, I would take off a con. I would cross off a con. And if you have anything, any like cons remaining, what I would do with them is it's something that you can live with. Right. And now, and like, ask yourself, like, does this truly bother you? Like, is it tied to your beliefs? Is it tied to your worth? Is it tied to your value? And it's also important to understand that we are all imperfectly perfect and that he may equally have things that bother him. However, if it's the latter in your guiding voice, then you already know. You already know what you need to do. However, you're maybe just too afraid to hurt him and you're trying to build a case on every reason why you shouldn't be with him opposed to just following your intuitive senses. So I think as staying with someone you don't really want to be with isn't serving either of you. So he doesn't deserve that and neither do you. So I think it would be time to move on if it's something to do with your intuition when your guiding voice telling you mm. it's not it's not right. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm going to be quite to the point because we were very in alignment with with our things and I don't want to double up and I'm also mindful of time and we've still got to get to my questions. So mm. what I highlighted is you have the ick, I-C-K, and what ick stands for in my vocabulary is things I can't know, I-C-N-K, sorry, <laughs> dyslexic moment. Um, <laughs> and um, what that means is things I can't know consciously because they're in my unconscious mind. So when we get the ick about someone, it is all the little micro red flags that we can't consciously see, I can't know consciously mm. that build up and we go ick, you know, when you just get the ick with someone. So um, I used to kind of throw myself under the bus and when I got the ick with someone go, oh, my God, it's my daddy wounds. I, I'm sabotaging love. But the more I've gotten to know myself, I'll be like, yes, girl, you've got your own back. you got the ick. And um, <laughs> so what? <laughs> the, the reason I can have so much confidence, I have worked on myself to build my self-love much higher than it was. But also when you do do a lot of personal development and work on yourself, you're clearing out the junk in the trunk in terms of your unconscious mind. For most people, their unconscious mind, is like a storeroom that has a lock to a key that they don't know how to use and there could be dead bodies in there there could be unicorns in there they don't know that it's even there let alone what the fuck's in it and Mm. so the the process of working on yourself doesn't make you a perfect person but it gives you the key to the lock to explore what's in it and often often it can be better than you thought or worse than you thought or as you thought but you make friends with it because the boogeyman under the bed that you haven't seen is always far scarier than the one that you can deal with because then you can do something about it and so for me, the I don't question that the ick is self-sabotage anymore because I know what skeletons are in my closet and I can look at the pattern. And if it's something like video games and and extra femininity and emotionality, I can go, oh, that's giving me the ick because I'm rejecting feminine energy mm. and the part that represents my unavailable dad. Um, I'm I'm going to express that and work through that. But if you're like, no, this actually isn't any of the pattern and I'm going to go work on my therapist. It's none of my blind spots either because you can't see your own blind spots. That is the key of a therapist because even in the car, you could be the world's best driver. By definition, they're your blind spot because you can't see them. And only a therapist can actually point those out. Mm. And one you love and trust, you'll give permission to. So Do the work, clear out the junk in the trunk so that you know the ick is a useful one and not a destructive, sabotaging one, but listen to it if you can get to that point or do the therapy if you don't know you're at that point. Mm. The other thing I would say is relationships are about um, humans are wired to be selfish, so we naturally go into everything going, what can I get? Even Mother Teresa, she's getting a hammering today, but even Mother Teresa. Um, (laughs) 
Whereas relationships need to be what can I give and what can I get? And because we're naturally dominant in the what can I get, even the nicest of peoples, it's good to go into a relationship going it's about what can I give? Because even when you give, you give because it makes you feel good. So it's still a form of getting, but it kind of evens the pendulum, which is already off centre. And look at your question. He really likes me. The sex is good for me. I feel there's something missing. His video gives games give me the ick. Mm. The crying is a problem for me. It's very much what can I get focused. It's not... I feel really great when I cook this beautiful human food and he becomes so grateful. And I love how he lights up when I give him a compliment. There's nothing that makes me happier than like, where's that what I can give? So I just be aware of that as well. And maybe he's not someone that you want to give to and that's okay, but be mindful of that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Yeah. yeah, Look, it really is a case of what are you actually attracted to? Just going back to like what Roxanne said too, you know, the pros and cons list, looking at the pros and the cons. Um, is there an age gap between you two or is he just genuinely still in your eyes perhaps a bit immature where he's not at the level of masculinity that you'd hoped him to be? Maybe he expresses that in the bedroom but not outside the bedroom. So you're getting your needs met in one sense but not another. Yeah, you said he really likes you, but for you it just sounds like it could just be a sexual thing and that maybe there's things about him that you don't really like and that the only reason why you are there is because you like the sex. You know, going back to what Miranda said, you know, it's all about you, 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 what do you like, but what are you giving? What are you bringing to the relationship? You know, sometimes you got to have a good hard look at yourself. We go to give. We don't go just to take. And while it's about finding balance in a relationship, it's also about um, a little bit of selflessness too at times, you know, having that vulnerability and that willingness to go, here's what I have to offer. Do you take it willingly? Willingly. It's only when someone really takes advantage of that and they, the pendulum is not, it's not balanced. That's when you start taking back your power and what have you. Sort of the long and short of it, just be real about what you do need because, you know, sex is one part of keeping it aroused long term, but also, you know, don't forget about what you aren't bringing to the relationship and have a good, hard, honest chat with yourself about that. And I can't really say too much more because the girls gave a very fantastic answer on that. So in that case, we'll go, we'll, we'll kick on, we'll go into Moran's questions now. We've got four of them here. You can do three if you want because we've we've gone deep. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've got how do we, what are we going to sort of keep? We've got... How do we stop arguing? My partner of eight months proposed. Is it too soon? I like that one. Mm. Relationships and social media, do you think it can make or break them? Also love that one. Um, How do I deal with my insecure partner? I'm losing patience. That's a good one too. First three. There's a reason I write them down first. What do you guys reckon? I'm going to rudely interrupt and say thank you for listening to part one of this week's Relationship Roundtable. You can listen to part two of this episode by finding episode 60 on your preferred listening app. Until then, make sure you hit the plus sign or follow button to be the first to know when a new episode drop is released and tell all of your friends about this amazing podcast to keep all of our loved ones equipped with the best relationship advice on the planet. Ciao for now.